All right. Let's look to the Lord in prayer first. Our Father, we thank you for this time you've given us. We pray that you'd bless our time together, Lord, that we would learn from your word and give us uh, insights uh, through your Holy Spirit to understand your desires uh, for us and how to live and how to follow you. We uh, commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. So today we're going to let's make sure this works. Can you select the little Is the thing you on? Oh, might help to turn it on. Yes. Always Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, so I wish the young people were here for a little bit of this because I have, I have something for them. But we'll um, we'll uh, try to communicate it to them in some fashion. So today we're going to look at the command of Jesus to forgive. Right? We've been trust that uh, the messages thus far have been challenging to you we're um, you know we had the messages on repenting and believing on following and having Jesus you know our, our light shining on loving our enemies loving our neighbors very practical kinds of application to these commands and challenging and today we're going to look at yet another very challenging but very important topic, very important command that the Lord Jesus gave to us, and that is to forgive, right? So before we go into the um, scriptures, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes on um, the two words, they're, they're more than two, but these are the two predominant ones that are translated forgive in the New Testament. And uh, one is this word, I'm not going to try to pronounce it too well, afiemi, afiemi, I think is what, how it works. It's, it's a word that's used 147 times in the New Testament, but only... Um, 47 times translated forgive, right? So, but, but it is still the predominant word used for the word forgive. So most of the verses we look at today will be this word, right? And this word, it really, it's, it's talking about separation or to, to leave something away or push something away, to lay aside, um, to send away, right? And that's the, that's the idea of this and, and the idea with in relation to sin is that you are separating yourself from the penalty of that sin, right? It's it's pushed away. The, the penalty of, of a sin or penalty of a wrongdoing is not there anymore, right? So you don't get judged for it as you would, right? That So that's the idea in general of forgiveness is 
that there's one who is at fault and that person who is at fault is released from judgment right is released from judgment for a fault and so we have this word apheme right and then uh, the other word is charizomai charizomai and you can imagine there's that part of that word charis right which is grace right that's the word and this word is used as well 23 times and, and 12 times is forgive right and it's um, it's it has that word gracious right so it's out of grace that you forgive somebody that you pardon somebody that you grant forgiveness it's that concept that it is out of grace and kindness right and so with God and the use of that word he uses both right the Lord Jesus uses both these words when he is talking about forgiveness now forgiveness is a very practical topic I mean it's you know that we need to apply in our Christian walk but I think really to understand it and we'll see in the verses that that talk about it and, and, and that are telling us to do it it always says just as God did it or just as Christ did it so we really need to understand forgiveness as it pertains to God right that, that relationship between God and us right and then we'll talk about the forgiveness from a horizontal point, right? Us forgiving others, other human-to-human forgiveness. But really, in order to 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 understand human-to-human forgiveness and what we need to do, we need to understand this vertical, you know, this vertical kind of uh, forgiveness that is from God to us, right? And so, um, so there's. I've, I've sort of divided it into different um, ways of looking at it, right? So the first, the first one that many will talk about is this idea of judicial forgiveness, right? And judicial forgiveness is is applied where we are born sinners. It's, it's the concept that we are born sinners. It is it's applied to everybody, right? To unbelievers and believers it's that idea that there's this judicial forgiveness that we can get and the concept is that all of us are sinners right it says the wages of sin is death that is the judgment right everyone born sinners we are dead in our trespasses and sins we are called children of wrath and um what God is saying is that, that, you know, He wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us. But God's justice, right, God has to be holy and just. And He cannot allow Himself to forgive us without an adequate payment for that sin. So He wants a relationship with us. We are sinners. And therefore, there has to be an adequate payment for that sin. Right, so what does he do? Well, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent his only son to became to become a punishment for our sins. And so that innocent man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was a 
he was God and man at the same time, took on himself the sin of the whole world on the cross, right? And he carried it away, as it were. He, It's not near us. He, That concept is there, that afiemai, right? So this Psalm 103 says that for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards us, to, towards those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our wrongdoing from us, right? So he's able to remove, to separate that wrongdoing from us, forgive us justly, because someone paid the debt for that sin. Someone paid the judgment for that. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So, so, so therefore, God is able to come and look at you as a believer, if, assuming, I hope that each one of you has accepted that sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed your sins and accepted Him as a, as your Lord. And when you when you do that, He removes that sin so that you appear justified to God, right? You you are justified to God. He's cleansed you. And so he's able to forgive you. And, of course, we know that that requires repentance and confession, as we've heard in our previous commands, right? Repentance. But that forgiveness is available to us. And so that is what this judicial forgiveness is, right? That is what the judicial says. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And so God is able to forgive sin. And the idea is that it is called judicial forgiveness because it is granted by God acting as a judge right and because he's acting as a judge he's saying you are free from the penalty of sin you're justified you're free from the penalty of sin you're forgiven he can justly do that and so you have that judicial forgiveness and that is an important concept to remember as we go along because it is that forgiveness, that judicial forgiveness is there regardless of our actions, right, after that. So we come to God, we confess our sins, we repent, we ask the Lord to be our Savior, and He applies that to us, right? He, we are forgiven. He says your sins are far, as far as the east is from the west, right? So we are forgiven. But that doesn't mean we don't sin after that. And therefore, this judicial forgiveness still applies to us. It's a, you know, once we've come to that point, we are forgiven. Period. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has paid for that. Once for all. Right? It says, offering once for all. So it's it's really important for us to remember that, that there is this judicial forgiveness available to each one of us. So if anybody's here that doesn't know that, it's really important to remember. Now, 
It's important in another regard for every one of us, believers and unbelievers. And that is, we have this concept in, you know, when we think, when, you know, when, when we talk to people in pop, you know, in culture, it's like, oh, I can't forgive myself. I can't forgive myself for something. I, I can't forgive myself for, you know, so if you're an unbeliever, there are many who I, you know, like, who, who feel before, before you're saved, you know, I'm just so terrible. God will never accept me, right? I, 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 can, I can't be forgiven. I'm, I'm full of guilt. I, I, there's no way I can come to God and ask for forgiveness. He, he won't do it. Or he, you know, like, I can't, you know, I, there's, you can't imagine being forgiven of the things, the sins that, you're, you know, you realize how, how awful you are as a sinner and you you know you you, ha- you come to that or or you're a believer and you you you've sinned you've you've committed some sin and it could be a really bad sin and um, there's this guilt and you know this this um, persistent guilt but the Bible never really talks about forgiving oneself right all it talks about is that God when you come to the Lord right let's say you're an unbeliever whosoever may whosoever ever comes right doesn't matter what your past is whosoever comes will be forgiven so the focus is not on oh can I forgive myself the question is not, can I forgive myself? The question is, can I accept that God has forgiven me, no matter what hap- has happened? And that's a tough thing to do, but it's, but it's the reality, it's the truth, right? So the truth is, we have to accept that your sins can be forgiven, whatever it is. Right? God, when you come to the Lord Jesus and, and you're a sinner, and you ask Him, Lord, save me. Lord, you know, I. All these things are in your head, but God, you don't, you don't have to forgive yourself. You just have to accept that God has forgiven you. So I I trust that there's nobody here who's hindered because there's a sin in their life that they're saying, "Oh, God will not forgive me for this." A contrite heart, right? God will not turn away if you come. God and we often struggle with that everybody struggles with that to some extent but it's a real thing so this judicial forgiveness is something that we need to really understand alright and accept to, to be able to accept God's forgiveness and it is not because of anything you've done God is able to forgive because of the amazing work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Alright? So, to cap it off, right? Every believer experiences judicial forgiveness. This means that we're free from the penalty of sin, right? The basis is that Jesus has taken our sins and carried them away, right? Jesus has paid for our sins. And so, um, God says that those sins are lawless and 
But we remember that he, so he was in fellowship with God. He, 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 but one day in his life, he succumbed to sin, right? A horrible, despicable sin. He committed adultery with one of his subjects, right? And not only did he commit adultery with one of his subjects, we can't go and, we don't have time to go and read the whole section, but you can um, look it up. He didn't just stop there. He tried to cover up his sin, right? And, and it, this is what the verse says, one who conceals his wrongdoings will not prosper. And we'll see that in David's life. He, he tried to cover up his sin, and what did he do? He went and had the husband of that woman, Bathsheba. He had him essentially murdered, right? He put him on the front lines of, a, of the ongoing war and had him murdered. So he compounded his sin. Very often can happen when you start going down this path that he first committed adultery and then he went on to compound his sin you know, by having Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, killed. You know, Uriah, as we read in in uh, today's chapter in Samuel, was one of those mighty men in his army, and he had him killed. And so, you have this situation where you have this man who, um, in these acts committed such a grievous sin. And then, the reality is that when we commit those sins, God sees them, right? He thought he had gotten away with it. <laughs> but God, uh, God, God sees it. You know, there used to be a plaque in, in our home and when I was growing up, it says, Christ is the head of this house um, the um, what does it say Christ the head of this house the unseen guests at every meal the silent listener at every conversation right uh, I don't know how many of you have seen that but it's like a plaque it was pretty common in some of the households I used to grow up in and, but that's true right he's the unseen guest at every meal and the silent listener at every conversation he he knew what was happening in David's life, and so he brought it to light. Right? He brought Nathan the prophet into his life, and he was exposed. And so, instead of confessing his sins, he tried to conceal it, but God exposed it. Right? And so, we see that as he concealed his sin, these are the results, right? He said, my body is wasted and through my groaning all day, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. And so this is the, this is the result of this broken fellowship. The hand of God was heavy on him. He was, he, w- he was physically affected. His body was wasting away. His, he was emotionally and mentally affected because of this. His vitality was failing. And so this unconfessed sin broke fellowship with God and it had a profound effect on 
David. And I'm sure when Nathan said, you know, Nathan had this had this um, parable that he said, and there was this man who did wrong, right? A rich man who did wrong to a poor man. And, and Nathan, and he said, oh, that rich man has done a great injustice. He, need, he deserves to die. And Nathan said, you are that man. You are that man. You are that man. And I'm sure that was ringing in his head. You are that man. But the, the point here is that that paternal fellowship is broken. Is, is it, you see that? That paternal fellowship is bo- broken. And so we are, we need that forgiveness, right? Not the judicial forgiveness, we need paternal forgiveness. And so he asks for forgiveness and it says in Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven and whose sin is covered. How blessed is the person whose guilt does not take into account and whose spirit there is no deceit. Right? You forgave, verse, it says, you forgave the guilt of my sin. You are my hiding place. You keep me from trouble and you surround me with songs of deliverance. So, God is able to forgive because of that, he came and confessed his sin, and God was able to forgive him. Right, that paternal forgiveness was there, and so the the reminder here is that you are judicially forgiven, and you have this paternal forgiveness. Right, and so um, as far as the New Testament is concerned, this is the verse that we have to remember all the time. Right, if if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous so that He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, <coughs> the point here is as we are in this walk with God, we need to get forgiveness. We need to, we need to have that fellowship, that ongoing fellowship unmarred, unfettered. And the way we do that is to keep short accounts with the Lord, right? When when you get convicted of sin, when 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 the Lord shows you through his word or maybe from a brother who comes and tells you or a sister who comes and tells you about a sin, we need to keep short accounts and confess our sins and he is Faithful and righteous, so he'll forgive us our sins. And again, the basis of that forgiveness is still the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the basis of that sin is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we have paternal forgiveness. Then we come to personal forgiveness. So this is... now. I think the basis of all this, per, you know, when we come to personal forgiveness, now we're in the horizontal realm, right? This is in our day-to-day activities, day-to-day relationships with our family, with our church members, and all of that is based on our the forgiveness that we have with God, right? It's really it's it's very closely connected to that, and so 
you might be surprised to hear that the church is not made up of perfect people. Right? It's not. The, the <laughs> we have the flesh. There is issues, right? And I think two of the greatest issues that the church and, and we as, as members of the, a body suffer with is pride and unforgiveness. You know, the amount of heartache and trouble that could have been avoided if you look through your life and if we put away our pride and had a forgiving spirit. It's you can't measure it's such an important topic such an important exercise that we have to you know so you know we have one of the things to remember is practically there are different levels of things going on right when we have minor irritations what I consider minor irritations right there are small disagreements Irritations, um, you don't have to go and um, nurse a resentment for it, right? That's the key. Um, we are asked in the Bible to turn the other cheek, right? It says, um, uh, it says here in Ma- Matthew chapter 6 it says for if you forgive people for their offenses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive other people then your father will not forgive your offenses this is a this is connecting that vertical forgiveness with the horizontal right and it's not talking about it's very you know it's important to remember that that forgiveness that when it says your father will not forgive you it's talking about that paternal forgiveness right you're judicially forgiven but that paternal forgiveness is not there if you don't forgive people so we have to approach our relationships one to another with this in mind that how can the Lord when we ask for forgiveness for one thing or the other, forgive us if we are not willing to forgive others. That's essentially what this is saying. Right? It says, Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, um, we have mi- minor disagreements, as I mentioned. You know, there's a there's a little uh, Paul 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 talks about two ladies in the Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament. He says Euodia and Syntyche. Remember Euodia and Syntyche, right? He says there was there was a conflict between them, right? And he says, I hope they can resolve this conflict. And he and he moves on. He doesn't give any details, any backstory. And I really believe that that's really speaking to, it was a minor, something that didn't need to be dwelt upon, but needed to be resolved. And it was reflecting badly on the testimony of Christ. It was affecting the work. 
right? That's what Paul was saying. And so we can get to a point where we get, you know, Steve Holst has the one stood up here, and I remember him calling <coughs> Sintiki Suntachi, right? Becoming sense overly sensitive, right? It's 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 really a problem, right? When when um, in the love chapter it says it has this word love bears all things, love bears all things. What does it mean? It it's it's this idea I think. Well, in, in one sense it's saying you're not going to talk about all other people's faults and you're going to cover it up. A you're going to be discreet about it, right? You're not going to expose. That's part of love, not like exposing people's faults. But the other part of it, I think, uh, I, I read a quote that about it that, that I think is very interesting. It says, instead of magnifying the unworthy in others, we are eager to believe the best, right? We are eager to believe the best and put the most favorable construction on ambiguous actions. The most favorable construction on ambiguous actions. In other words, when you can't truly say somebody's done something wrong to you, don't take it in the worst way possible. Right? Because that that's bearing that's the idea of forbearance or bearing one another. We're so prone to it, right? It, oh, he said something, or that word was, you know, is he meaning this about me? And it really causes can cause resentment in us and cause strife. And we can be like Euodia and Syntyche, right? Having this issue build up and cause prob- more problems, right? And, 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 you know, called out for eternity, in a sense, recorded, because, you know, it was a problem. And so, we are to be gracious, right? It says, when it says in the, in the, in the verse, bear, you know, um, it says, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. In Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with the heart of mercy, kindness, humility, and gentleness and fear. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Right? If someone happens to have a complaint against you. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also forgive others. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. So it's so important, like that idea that you 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 don't think the worst of other people. And and uh, a lot of that has to deal with pride, right? Oh, I don't. I, I deserve to be talked to differently, or I deserve to be um, respectfully treated, or or addressed this way, or you know that. There are many ways in which pride can enter and cause this kind of resentment, that, that you have some rights that you didn't really have. But things can get a little more serious, right? Obviously, it might not be just minor issues like this. There might be things where there is actual sin when a brother has, or sister has sinned against you, right? And it says, Be on your guard if your bre- brother sins, Rebuke him, and he repents. Forgive him. If his sins against you seven times a day, and returns to you seven times, saying, "I repent," you shall forgive him. 
Right? So that's one. We'll talk about exactly what this is. So this is, if, a, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Right? So the first step is, you go and talk to him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Right? So this is the progression of of things. If if things are really causing a real issue between two brothers and sisters, this is what happens, right? You first go to him alone, then you go with other brothers. And the assumption there of this progression is that when the two witnesses come with you, they agree that there's a wrong done here. Right? They might actually come back and say, Oh, this this there's no real problem and you resolve it there, right? But when there's no resolution, there was a real wrong done, and there's no resolution. It's causing problems in the assembly. It's causing um, problems between these brothers. Then it escalates in this in this fashion, right? And then if he refuses to listen to them, then you bring it to the church, right? And then finally, if it's brought into the presence of the church and Still there is no repentance by the offender, then there's church discipline at that point. The person is put out of the church, and it's not discipline in the church is always with the intent to restore that person. That is always the goal, right? It's not to punish somebody and just send them off. It is to send them off so that they don't they don't um, enjoy the privileges of being part of the church so that they come to repentance. Right? That's the goal. But there is this progression that goes through. Right? So right after this chapter 18, Peter comes to him and says, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So Peter's you know, Peter sees this, he's like, oh, I come to my brother, you know, like I come and I, 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 I go through this process. How many times can I do this? Right? And he said, you know, in this case, I wouldn't be surprised when he says, my brother, he's actually thinking of Andrew. You know how sibling relationships are. It's like, uh, Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? And he's like, up to seven times, he's being generous because, they, you know, the Pharisees and so forth used to say three times it should be adequate. But he's like, you know, is it seven times? I'm being real generous. And the Lord says, said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seven, seventy-seven, oh, seventy-seven, seven times seven, seventy-seven times seven times, I think is what it says. Is that what it says? I don't... That's what it says, but I... I don't know if I copy-pasted wrong, or that's what I... Now I have to go back and look at that. But um, the point there, though, is that because we're running out of time, I I won't go back. But the, the, the idea, the principle there is when you have this issue, this real sin, one against the other, the principle, you go through this progression, but the point here is that you forgive as many times as they come to you in repentance, in genuine repentance. That's the principle, right? There is no limit. Because, why? Why would you say that? Well, 
if how many times have you gone to the Lord asking for forgiveness for the same thing? And if the Lord said, "No, I'm not going to," you, you, you know, you've done it one too many times. That's not how God works, right? God will come and He will forgive us, and therefore, He's telling us be that way. When it doesn't matter how many times, when they, when a brother comes in repentance, there has to be forgiveness. But there are consequences, as we saw, if they don't come to you in repentance. But one of the implications here, one of the things that I just want to just mention here is that many times, I've seen this in the assemblies and the churches, I, I, very specific, where it escalates to a point and instead of coming to the church and trying to resolve it, they go to the court system. This is forbidden, right? This is not the way Christians should behave. We don't go to unbelievers to settle our problems. Right? Civil courts and all these things, right? This is, this, you know, we, it's, it, it happens way too many times. And it's, it's in complete, um, disobedience to the, to the clear scripture, right? And so this escalation of this conflict should not end up going to an unbelieving court and a jury to decide, right? This is not the way it works. This is not, this is not the economy of this familial relationship as the, as the church of God, as as the children of God, there's a, a very different way in which we work. We don't go to that. Right? So that's in the church. And then I just want to make a mention of this before we close is, is in the family, right? Forgiveness in the family. So we've talked about judicial forgiveness, right? From God to us, that's that once for all, that because of Christ's um, death on the cross. He's separated his sins from us. We have that judicial forgiveness. Then we have the paternal forgiveness. That's that ongoing fellowship that we have with God. And that we we go to him when we sin and he forgives us, right? He, he's, we are, he's faithful and just in forgiving us. And then we have this relationship within the church and how that happens. And then in the family also, there's this um, forgiveness that's really needed. I've seen great harm recently. It's become more and more evident that there's great harm being done in our families because of an unforgiving spirit. Now, I'd like you to just think about it. You know, how many families, it just breaks my heart, how many families are broken or or relationships between children and parents are are fractured in our in the household of believers. It's it's just such a common thing now. And I think a big part of this is this. And I, I wish our children were here to hear this because it is so important, right? It's it's becoming a real problem. Almost every family that that I, I have you know I've, I've heard so many families like where children get to a point where they grow up and there's resentment and there's an unforgiving spirit mm-hmm. and so they don't have contact with the family they um, 
they're bearing um, all the consequences of of, be, of that unforgiven spirit. All the biz- bitterness, the resentment, their relationship with God is it's evident in their fellowship and relationship with God and their Christian walk. It's it's a bad testimony, right? When others from the outside watch this, it's it's very sad. It really is. And I, I really hope that, you know, as we counsel our children that they realize that we are just humans. Right? That that fail. We fail. And we're not perfect. And maybe there are things we could have done better and there will be things they look back on and say, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't do that quite right. I didn't do it right. I might have I wronged you. But to be able to overlook that, and even for us, in our relation to parents, are you holding something from your childhood and and using it as a, you know, and, and have this resentment that's building in your life? It's, it's not healthy. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we are commanded. It's it's a difficult topic. I you know it's difficult for me to say it. And you know I, it you know it, it's sensitive. I'm sure to many, but it's it's for me personally and for our children, as as children ourselves and our children, really to to try to realize in them that we are just humans, saved by grace, with our faults and failures. And so they see in us a forgiving spirit as an example so that they can forgive us for whatever faults that they are able to perceive. And many a time, these are just perceived offenses in my opinion. When you hear about the details, it's just perceived and exaggerated. It's not this... They haven't gone through this idea of forbearance, right? To just to be able to realize that it's that it that it's not a huge deal, but it's become a huge deal because they've made it so they've, they've you know that bitter and resent bitterness and resentment has grown. So I trust that it's an encouragement. It's it's a it's a, um, exhortation that we forgive one another, right? Forgive one another. Unlimited forgiveness. We we received it from the Lord, and we ought to give it. Right? And um, I trust that that will help us as we go along in our Christian walk. Not just as an assembly of believers here at Grace, but in our families, in all our relationships. This this idea of forgiveness will will come into play and and make a difference. Right, let's give thanks. Our Father, we thank you for your commands. We know that you want the best for us and we know that and see the, the the consequences of not following your commands. You know us inside out. You know our actions. You know the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. We pray that we would have forgiving hearts that we would have forgiving spirits. And Lord, 
that we would be able to accept your forgiveness, that we would be able to come to you each time and and confess and repent of our sins, to turn away from them. I pray for each believer here. I pray for each family, Lord, that we would um, obey these commands from you and be a good testimony in that way. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.